1: Previously on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, welcome in. It's uh, is my camera off. We'll fix it. Don't worry about it, Mark. We'll fix it. Uh, rough start this <laughs> this morning. Not for the Pacers. They're winners. I complimented Kevin Bowen's uh, pullover today. I like that. I'm going to have to steal that from you at some point. Uh, a very good morning to you. It's the Wake Up Call here on this Tuesday. Pacers. Colts going to be out of town in the next couple days. Rick Carlisle got win number 900. And the thing he wanted to do more than ever. Anything, he got win 900, and he'll be on with us at 8 o'clock this morning. Uh, Kevin Mark, a very good morning to you. How's everyone doing?
2: Uh, I'm doing great on this Tuesday morning. Another really nice day weather-wise, so I certainly saw a few more cars out this morning for election day, so for those heading out to your respecting poll positions. Uh, sounds like the month of May <laughs> with that phrase there. A uh, very nice weather day for that. So, yeah, college basketball back in earnest last night. Yeah, big seven-point
1: win for your team. How about that? Yeah, it was a struggle for yeah, a while gonna be a with, long uh, season with Niagara, but we've
2: got Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana, sure. and he certainly played like that last night in Marcus Burton.
1: Well, you know that Niagara team? They're just an old team. It's like Tom Izzo. He was worried about James Madison because they're such an old team. That was fantastic. I, I believe
2: eight trans Answers for Niagara if we want to keep on going down this path. Greg Paulus, by the way, the Niagara head coach there. Yes, Michigan State loses last night as a top five team at home to James Madison. Again, Purdue absolutely thrashing Samford. Butler, uh, a very un-Butler-like 39-point win based off what we saw last season from Thad Mata's bunch, but a very new-look team. The Indiana will get started tonight. They've got Florida Gulf Coast coming up. At 6.30. It, it kind of has one of these feels, Andy. We haven't really had, I think, this day yet here in the calendar year, at least in the last few months, but it's like more of a basketball-centric morning, to me at least, and I think that's what happens when, obviously, the college basketball world gets underway last night, and the Pacers put up a franchise <laughs> record one hundred and fifty. Four points last uh, fifty-two. Excuse me, uh, T.J. McConnell dribbling it out there at the end, as I think a lot of fans wanted them to go for one fifty-four. I, I feel like we're gonna say it so often this year, but I'm just so bullish on this team's depth. I'm just so bullish on Buddy Heald and Aaron Nesmith as like legit sixth and seventh guys that frankly could start for the vast majority of NBA teams. And then I think Andrew Nemhard and Jalen Smith both have given you you know, nice minutes. Jalen Smith has probably been one of the more pleasant surprises here a few weeks into the season. So that's how you respond from a disappointment on Saturday. Uh, that's how you take care of business of a bad team. Uh, and now the Pacers will round out their five-game homestand coming up Wednesday and Thursday with Utah and Milwaukee.
1: Okay, so you know how like when a baby's being born or something like that, or the like people who are like terrible people will do will do this about death, like when celebrities are going to die. You know, like the squares, like wins wins uh, such and such. Like if me and my wife have another baby, like is it going to be born on you know July nineteenth or something like that? We need to come up with a day that we think either the Pacers or their opponents are not going to score one hundred points in a game. People
2: do this with with celebrities. Oh, dying? they do
1: it all the time with celebrities dying. Yeah, I don't do that. They predict celebrities' death. Yeah, they're sick and twisted people. This is celebrity listen, death match still going. on? No, it's not. That was but a great I great show. Though. Yes, that was totally. Uh, I can mark. I can see that being right up your alley oh. more so than just about anyone else. Middle Does, middle of the like wrestling <laughs> like. Yeah, Zenith, yeah. Who was the ref? It
2: tremendous artwork. Mills Lane.
1: Mills Lane, that's Let's it. get it on! Let's get it on! <laughs>
2: tremendous artwork uh, for that one. <laughs>
1: Does anybody not score 100 points in today's <laughs> NBA? No, I'm wondering, will there ever be like a 98? That's all I'm like, asking from either the Pacers or their opponent. I got no problem. I love what I'm seeing. Uh, last night, handing Greg Popov- uh, Popovich that spanking. The Spurs roster, obviously, besides Victor, is not very good. I mean, like, Keldon Johnson's okay Right before we went on the air and Mark said hey your mics are uh, hey your uh, your your camera's not working we were talking about Charles Bassey <laughs> who had a nice game I guess off the bench last night I don't know like will the will they score 98 points in a game the Pacers when will that happen this season
2: you know it was funny listening to Rick Carlisle last night describe 152 points tying the franchise record 86 points in the first half tying the franchise record yeah and he totally downplayed it he, he was just kind of like yeah I mean this is kind of where the NBA's at you know, it, it's it's one of those things where almost how we'll look at like Matthew Stafford's Hall of Fame resume or Matt Ryan's Hall of Fame resume. It's like, well, rule changes have all of a sudden meant that the days of 78-74 Pacers-Pistons Eastern Conference semifinals, those days are long, long gone. Nonetheless, <laughs> 152 still, though. Still is <laughs> yeah. a big, big number and, again, quite the response from Indiana last night. Uh, I thought Obi Toppin. If you're going to single anybody out, you know he got the assignment of Victor Webenyama. Uh, Webenyama did have uh, a three of twelve night, the worst shooting night of his NBA career. A uh, thirteen points, the second lowest total he has scored. Again, I-, I wasn't there, Andy, but you know that's the first time I've really watched him for four quarters. It, it is two things. The length defensively of like when guys realize that he is the opposition, it's like, oh my gosh, I've got to contort my body. I've got to. Like, Turner one time drove at him. And next thing you know, Turner's throwing up like this spinny left handed layup. I'm like, I've never seen Miles Turner attempt a shot like that uh, in his NBA career. That's the first thing that probably stands out is just what he makes you do when you realize he is the uh, defender for you. And then offensively, it still amazes me. And again, he was 3 of 12 last night, so he didn't shoot it great. It amazes me at that size. No matter how kind of awkward it might look, all of a sudden a 7'5 dude can get it into a shooting position where it looks like it's going in every time.
1: KB. No matter where he is on the floor. Durant used to be the alien. We used to look at Kevin Durant, and then more guys started to be able to kind of not do what he does because he's a Hall of Famer, but kind of you know whether it be a slender guy or a tall guy. And like Victor... I'm not sure he's a human being. Like I'm not. A, I need. I need some sort of DNA see verification. The 11th How many planets yeah, are I there? I need. I need like a doctor. To I need a, a bunch of doctors from prestigious universities all over the world. Not even in this country. Not in France. I need them from everywhere. Do you understand? I need a Canadian doctor. Who was the doctor that we talked about for three days around here? Who ended up? Did Did he ever? He didn't even do the surgery on um, on our guy Anthony Richardson. Remember the guy? Yeah, that Tony was foot long. I, I, not, uh, Keith uh, Keith Meister, right, or something like that. The Rangers guy. I'm going as Tony Footlong for Halloween next year, but like, I need I need DNA verification. I feel like you know they put those cameras on surgical equipment. Uh, equipment. I need I need them to put a camera on if he ever has like a knee injury or something to just confirm that he is made of blood, bones, and cartilage. Right? How many he, tendons does he have in that body of his? <laughs> he doesn't look. It just him on the court is hilarious to see, and then he handles it, and you can totally, like, you can just tell by looking at him, even though he wasn't good last night, and he played, uh, like, 38 minutes a night before in the overtime game, and the Spurs did not have it, but that's fine. You pound him, you move on, you feel good about the win, number 900. Again, Wolf Carlisle coming up here in the 8 o'clock hour, but... I don't know, man. I, I'm just I'm looking at him, and you can tell you can tell there is an absolute hell of a player in the next few years that's going oh. to be developed. It's unbelievable without
2: question. Um, but again, I think you know, a shout out to Obi Toppin, who I think has had a little bit of a slow start or you're just kind of unsure exactly no, he has, you know, where that fit is with, you know, this starting five and the new team and it's a contract year form, et cetera, et cetera. Not only does he score nineteen last night, he gets the Yama defensive job, and really I thought did a fine job on him, and he obviously probably offers your most length, lateral quickness, obviously a high level of athletic ability, and you're only going to see Victor one more time this year, but I am curious, you look at Thursday night, you know, Bruce Brown is thought of as the defensive stopper. I don't think you want Bruce Brown on Giannis coming up on Thursday. I mean, that is a big height differential in that matchup. I would guess Obi Toppin gets that assignment, And and that's one of those things, Andy, like the Bucks, and again, they have been a great NBA team over the last handful of years. They have absolutely dominated the Pacers in these head-to-head matchups. And it's a division opponent. You see them four times out of the year. The Pacers have had no answer whatsoever for um, for Giannis. And so, you know, Topping. Is that something that we're going to see now when you get into the Milwaukee, Indiana match? That might be his value. He's not a right. big, he's
1: not a big score. No, I, I just don't think that's
2: going to, to, to be, be him. Fair, I don't think you're asking him to be that sure. either. Uh, but I think that is something to keep an eye on Thursday night. Again, it'll be the Utah Jazz inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse tomorrow
1: night, and then Milwaukee to round out that five game home let me ask you this if you were going to ask Rick Carlisle and maybe you were planning to and I I just kind of had thought about it and there's there's good and bad with this team uh, you know already there's some good wins last night was fun Friday was fun uh, you go back to um, you, you go back to Saturday not so fun uh, and so consistency is one thing what would be the question we need to formulate for Matherin? For Carlisle. Yeah, I think it's... What is
2: it? Yeah, I know Rick talked about this before the game last night, and I think it's really... Frankly, I think it's kind of complicated, because they're asking him to do so much different from what his role was last year. His role last year was second unit, lead guy, score. Yeah, go to the bucket. Score and attack, score and attack. Now, this year, he's playing with Halliburton in that starting lineup. Um, It's a little bit more of facilitate. You know, you get a very important defensive assignment pretty much night in, night out, and, you know, he has, I think, just struggled in fully kind of, maybe not grasping it is the right word, um, but it's a little bit outside of his strengths and outside of probably what he was asked to do at Arizona and, you know, even what he was asked to do as a rookie. So, yeah, I, I do think it's a great question to throw Rick's way uh, because last night he did struggle a little bit scoring it early on Then the third quarter is they really just kind of put the game on ice. He had a couple of kind of Matherin-type plays, but... You, know, you can point to some of these games this year where you love the assist numbers. I mean, four, five, six assists. Those are numbers he never even sniffed last season. That is a step in the right direction. But still, two weeks into it, I am curious what Rick's answer will be on that end.
1: Yeah, Carlisle uh, coming up at 8 o'clock. Two, three, nine, ten, seventy. hanging out on the wake-up call. Uh, one other thing, as Indiana gets back in so we need to talk against IU basketball expectations. I did watch and by the way, every single game last night, college basketball wise, outside of Michigan State was a dog of a game. So everyone who played, whether it be Purdue, San Diego State um, I don't know why I went to San Diego State Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, Marquette they all won. Illinois all won by big numbers. Michigan State, the only loser. But you know how my college basketball... lost Oh, did they? Who do they lose to? Uh, Not- the Sweet 16 <laughs> Princeton Tigers. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, you know, Nova won. St. Mary's beat somebody by the name of Staniloss State, 107-28. The only reason I bring that up is, so a lot of the, the games were dogs, and obviously, uh, Purdue was up big, and Purdue won, and they're up 30, you know, 40 points, and it was it was fine. Like, you, you expected it, but did you see the beginning of the Purdue game? Game by any chance? This is yeah, how my I, college basketball season started. Samford had the little dude go out there, and uh,
2: he, he didn't even
1: jump. Dallas, did he? yes, okay. So Dallas Graziani is five eight. A buck 40.
2: He looked like a
1: Graziani. And he looked like, A, he looked like a Graziani. And B, he looked like he was absolutely 5'8, okay? And he was going to jump against Edie. And that was the perfect image to start the 2023 24 college basketball season. And then I got to call Dallas Graziani. He's got to be a little bit, he's got to give us a jump there, right? I know. He doesn't even jump. I mean, come on, man. It's gutless. I thought that was a (laughs) pathetic effort. (laughs) Total I mean, injury. hell, just hit, hit Edie in the stomach. Yeah, jump up against him. Come on. Start like you're doing, something for you're doing like it care. for the bit anyway. If you're doing it for the bit, go all the way with the bit. 1,000%. Right? 98
2: 45. Cool. Purdue over Samford. I thought I heard that Samford actually won their conference last season. They won over 20 games. 16 and 11. Uh, Purdue was up 20 to 1 at one point. Uh, it's certainly next week. Xavier and then Maui for Purdue. It'll toughen up. Pretty quickly for the Boilermakers, again, Butler wins by 39 last night, IUPUI over Spalding. Yes, they did. To get college basketball started yesterday in that 11 a.m. tip. And uh, again, tonight at 6.30, our coverage, uh, I guess it's not even up on the board. I assume it's on WIBC, uh, Indiana and Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast coached by a former Big Ten head coach. You want to take any stabs at that? Oh, goodness, I should know this. Oh, I should know this. I'm embarrassed. Fiery sideline demeanor for this man. <laughs> Don't they all have that? By the way, their point guard. I know he's a little banged up. We'll see if he plays tonight. Isaiah Thompson, the Zionsville Purdue product. Now, oh, who at is it? Florida Gulf Coast for this one. Ah, uh, Patrick
1: Chambers. Oh God. Okay, there you go. Do we call him a legend? Penn State legend. <laughs> You have had Penn State in front of you. Do I have to call him Patrick? I was just going to call him Pat. Pat I forgot, Chambers. I forgot all about Pat Chambers. Okay. Pat Chambers with good for him. Florida Gulf
2: Coast. So we'll talk certainly a lot of college basketball on today's show. Again, Michigan State losing last night to
1: James Madison. They're having a great year in football, right? Yeah, the they're always good. James yeah, they're always good in football. They made, they're made they like a D2 team that could play D1, and they moved up a couple years, what, two years ago, right? The it's their sec- this is their Pat second Kuntzes. or third year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then the Colts,
2: uh, they have got a little bit of a banged-up injury report heading into uh, Germany again. Today is their off day. Uh, they will be here through Thursday. I'll uh, we'll actually chat with Melanie Lowe, one of their football operations uh, staff members who's really kind of spearheaded the effort to travel to Frankfurt, Germany for the game. It is quite the endeavor. So I always feel like these international trips, it's kind of interesting to hear that side of it. And Andy, it's one of those things where Tuesday can be a popular roster move day in the NFL. Yeah, what do you do? I I would have a feeling if the Colts make a roster move today, the first question you might ask said player, like yesterday they worked out Sammy Watkins. I, I would say the first question you ask him is, is your passport ready to go? Like, in all seriousness, I would think that is one of the first questions.
1: Yeah, like Sammy Watkins. You would ask. He's probably played overseas in his NFL career. Not not only that, I mean, Sammy Watkins made some cash in the league. You know he's been taking Mexican vacations and going to Greece and going to a bunch of other cool places. By the way, does that worry you at all? Working him out, doing due diligence, and Katie uh, in case of Josh Downs. Yeah, it's odd because I don't think of Sammy Watkins at all like a Josh Downs style
2: wideout. I forgot all about him. Uh, that yeah, too. I, I kind of just assumed he was retired, but you know this Josh Downs knee injury, it's something that you know clearly has been there this off season. He was a little banged up in the spring, so you wonder if you look at the bye week next week, Andy, and if you just think, you know what, might just be best if we rest Josh Downs after he exited that win over carolina early on so we'll chat about that as well again good tuesday morning to you thank you for spending it with us rick carlisle at eight o'clock it is the wake-up call
0: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: Andy, 93.5 on The Fan.
1: It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5 The
3: Fan. I've been doing it for so long and doing it so well, so uh, he's you know one of the most respected and uh, hard-working guys and he's been doing it for a long time so I uh, hope he keeps winning for a long long period to come congratulations, congratulations. Yeah. congratulations. just very, very grateful. We have a amazing group of guys, and we'll see you at 11.30. <laughs> <laughs> so congrats, Coach.
2: All I do is win, 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 no matter what.
1: Great stuff there. Hour number two, 8 o'clock hour. Hanging out with you live in the drive, Hubler.com studios. It's the wake-up call. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton as well. Great stuff there. Win number 900 for head coach Rick Carlisle. 152-111 last night in Game Bridge. It's a Tuesday in the 8 o'clock hour. You know, coach joins us. Uh, coach, good morning. Congratulations. How's everything going?
3: Everything's going fine. It sounds like you guys actually... Somebody actually put some work into
1: that thing at
3: the beginning, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very humbled. But uh, good to be
1: with you guys. Uh, it's all about show prep. Shout out it's to like, Mark Dyson yes. on that. Uh, you Our producer, you have, pr- you have practice, coach. We have show prep. I, you know, I was uh, telling Kevin during the break. It, it seems like you know everyone's giving you a lot of fanfare, and rightfully so, winning now 900 games in the NBA. But uh, I don't know how much you want the attention. I assume you're ready just to kind of move on and get ready for Utah. Yes. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair well enough. said,
2: Rick Carlisle fresh off of win nine hundred. Don't think he was out celebrating too too late last night. Uh coach, I am curious this. I mean, obviously your first win was over two decades ago. Uh in, in what ways would you say the game has changed the most since win number one for you and, and how has that impacted your coaching?
3: Well, the, the game's changed dramatically. Uh, my first year of coaching was the first year that um, the new NBA rules went into effect. Uh, Jerry Colangelo was in charge of a group that really had autonomy to change the NBA rules to create more flow, to create more ball movement. Um, the game had kind of come to a screeching halt in the in the late 90s and early 2000s, uh, there was a crisis with scoring. And so uh, just generally, the the two rules that really made the big difference were the defensive three seconds where you could play zone or you could guard a guy without the ball with two guys as long as two guys were um, you know, w- within touch distance and et cetera. And it took – it really impacted um, – the isolation game and the isolation post-up game, which had dominated, you know, much of the late 80s, 90s, and late 90s. And so the ball just had to start moving more. And there were a lot of coaches at the time that were skeptical. Um, You know, uh, what Jerry and his group said, look, at the grassroots level, um, kids need to learn the skills uh, aspects of the game more you know we we have too many guys that don't shoot the ball well uh et cetera et cetera and so you know skeptics abounded um but uh jerry was right and what we saw over the next 20 some years was uh, a dramatic change at the grassroots level of high school basketball aau basketball etc and now you have guys that um you know, pretty much across the board, learn early in their careers uh, that if you can't shoot the ball, um, you're going to have a hard time playing really effectively at the college level, let alone the NBA level. And so the game's gotten faster. Um, you know, analytics came into this several years ago. And, look, the court was never going to get bigger. That was one of the arguments. Well, the court's too small. The players get are bigger. The court's too small. But uh, because of the size of arenas, because of the high revenue seats court side, the court, the court wasn't going to change. So what had to change was the distance that players operated beyond the basket, and that has changed dramatically. And the best the best example you, you, you can see of it right now is uh, Victor Wembanyama, who <laughs> last <laughs> night. I mean, if you were if you were there in person and saw this guy walk out on the floor and saw his really effortless skill set, I mean that is the essence of today's game and you got a seven foot four guy that is shooting step back threes and who can put the ball down on the floor and, and and dribble it like a guard i mean uh man things have changed
1: Was there something, Rick Carlisle with us, I want to get to Victor here in a second, was there, you mentioned coaches over the last 20 plus years or so that you've been a head coach with rule changes, you know, some of these coaches are skeptical, right? Was there ever something in the transformation of the game over the last couple decades that maybe you were skeptical about? Not so much, not so
3: much skeptical. Um... You know I look my career has been built on a love and respect for the game and a real belief in players ability to get better re- regardless of what age they are they were I mean I was super fortunate you know I I was able to work with Tim Gergerich, who is the greatest assistant coach in the history of the NBA and Pete Newell at Pete Newell's big man camp in Hawaii for for several years and that is the ultimate um you know atmosphere for teaching the game and um it was just it was so reverential to uh, learn you know through footwork how can you help players create shots how can you help players create advantages you know what were what were the things that unlocked players ability to, uh, perform better and see the game better, and so I was never really skeptical of it. I I just knew that you know at, at some point, um, you know that, that, that this was going to take some time. But at some point, there would probably be um, a big change. You know, and, and in fact, sure. I'll give you I'll give you one. I'll give you one kind of wacky thing. You know, one day I woke up. I had just gotten the um, Detroit job, which was my first job. Uh, as a head coach in the NBA, and I had this, you know, and I, you know, I've always had a, a fertile mind for, you know, the game and, and things that might make it better, et cetera, et cetera. And so, I was thinking an- analytically, but but more from a mathematical standpoint, with with the scoring crisis that was happening right around the time that, that Jerry and his group put the new rules together. The thought I had was, hey, look, uh, in baseball, you know, they. They mess around with the height of the mound, you know. You know that things change with the ball from year to year, et cetera. What if there was a small adjustment in the basketball games? Like <laughs> my idea was to make um, to make the rim a half an inch wider in circumference, which would have made it uh, five point something percent bigger, and immediately you would have had a spike of five point something percent in shooting percentages. But you know, it's funny. I called Jerry. <laughs> And ran the idea by him, and he was he was very he was very cordial in, in listening to it. And he said, "You know, uh, I'll think about that one." <laughs> but, was, but, it, but, it, but really, it was it, it just historically it would have been um, too too big a change. But organically, with the changes that he and his group made, organically the game adjusted, and now it is just such a beautiful, fast paced. Um, an exciting game. I mean, I, I couldn't be more excited to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, you saw that last night. One fifty-two, one eleven. Rick Carlisle with us here uh, on the wake-up call on the pay less liquors hotline. Well, let's get to Victor Wembanyama. Uh, yeah, he walks out there. You will know, just seen him on TV. I can't even imagine up close. He makes so many of the other players. There was uh, there was a video of him, coach, up next to like a guy like Kevin Durant uh, and just how much bigger he is. So I guess you know he walks out there. What do you think of him and his game? And then I guess secondly, in the next few years, what do you think Popovich will develop how, how will he develop him, do you think? How, how will this guy get better, do you think, in the next couple of years?
3: Well, great question. You know, I, Right now, Pop's doing some really interesting things with their team. I mean, Jeremy Solhan, who was drafted as a power forward, I think, a year ago or a year and a half ago, whatever it was, is now their starting point guard. Um, you know, Victor at 7'4", seven, 7'5", seven, if you look at their depth chart, is – their foreman, four uh, man, and yet you know he walks out to center court for the for the jump ball, and he's walking next to their center Zach Collins, and he looks like he's about a foot taller than Zach Collins. <laughs> and it was just uh, you know, you know, like Spolstra had it right. He said, you know, you you just don't know what what you're about to see until you see the guy in person. I mean, it's just something else. But I, you know, above all that, I the thing that impressed me more than anything, was his demeanor, disposition, um, his feel for the game, the way he interacted with teammates. I mean, we we got on a roll early. They were second second of a back-to-back. They had an overtime game the day before. Um, you know, their team was struggling, and yet, and yet he was bringing them together and encouraging them. It was like he was, like was a veteran guy, you know? And so um, there are just so many reasons to be excited about this guy you know with respect to the future of the league
2: Rick Carlisle is with us here again win number 900 for him last night pretty cool video the Pacers put out on their social media um variety of people congratulating coach on that win encourage you to check that out um I know you mentioned this a little bit pregame but I was hoping for our audience you could expand on it and that is the season and what I guess you're asking for out of Benedict and uh, the numbers early on certainly in a different role maybe not what he you know what we were accustomed to in his rookie year so what are you asking from him and I guess what have you observed uh, here in the first couple of weeks of his second season
3: uh, be, a, be a part of the team um, hey, people have to let go of expectations of scoring numbers and things like that i mean our our team's changed a lot um with the arrival of uh of bruce brown and obi toppin um and these guys getting more you know more and more transfixed in our in our starting group i mean you know the dynamics of the team has changed and so uh look in 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 today's age of social media you know Instant opinions, instant gratification, instant everything. Um, you know, sometimes you got to let go of, of expectations for you know individual scoring and individual achievement. I mean, you know, I what we're doing here is we're trying to build a team and a culture of team first, the team, the team, the team, the team, everything. And it's challenging, you know, in coaching. You know, especially, especially in the society we're living in today, you're swimming upstream with a lot of this stuff. But you know, I, I hearken back to you know when I was fortunate enough to come into the NBA um, and you yeah, know I've seen it. I mean I showed up in Boston in the fall of eighty four. It was a team of guys, you know, generally speaking between the ages of twenty seven and thirty two who were a high high level team, you know, four or five hall of famers at that time, six when we got Bill Walton the following year, and the team was an absolute failure if we did not win the championship. And so I I be, I came on board to a team of guys, each individual on that team would have would have given anything, would have died to make one play during the course of a regular season that would contribute to the possibility of a championship. And that runs totally counter to today's society and expectations and social media and and everything else. And so, look, I'm not expecting these guys um, to be able to buy into that kind of a scenario like right away. But the good thing for me is I've seen it. I know that it can happen. The, The very best teams in the league right now have that DNA. They've developed it. They 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 flexed it as a muscle, um, and they developed it as a as a muscle, and so that's that's a large part of what we're doing here. Um, I thought Ben played one of his best games last year. Now he only, he only had ten points, but he played within the system. He ran hard. He defended really well, and he was efficient scoring the ball. So I thought last night was great. Uh, if 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 all you're going to do is judge, you know, our team and. Um, and and his success on, you know, whether or not he scores 20, then, you know, you're going to be disappointed and you're not thinking the right way. Uh, And so that's where we are.
1: When you mention culture, uh, that, it, that it's hard to kind of build that, that selflessness and everything else. Uh, I know it's very early in the season and, you know, it's a, the back-to-back's coming up later on this week. How do you feel like you guys are doing in that area? Do you see positive growth every day that makes you happy in growing that culture that you're talking about?
3: Well, it's going to be gradual. You know the same the same way the game had to organically change over over a long time. Um, you know we're we're in a we're in a similar situation with our team. Uh, you know we certainly are not in this to, to have it happen over a you know a decade the way the NBA game developed. But this isn't going to happen overnight. I mean this is going to take weeks and months and. Um, it may take, it may take ultimately years, you know, with a team that's, that's young like this, but that's okay. You know, I mean, um, I'm, 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 I'm happy with that as, as long as we keep moving in the right direction, as long as we're preaching the things that are the important things and that we're, we're backing up the things that we're teaching. Um, but there's, there's really no other way. You look back to the last team that was in the NBA finals, uh, for the Pacers, I that was. I was an assistant coach on that team, and that team had that approach. They had that die for each other mentality. They would do anything um, for each other, and um, you know that was a team that that you know most people thought was was pretty much washed up. We had treated Antonio Davis and drafted Jonathan Bender, and you know uh, it was is a veteran team. We acquired Sam Perkins, and we really rode rode at some. Elite shooting that year to the NBA Finals, and and had a chance. I mean, it was a, it was four two in the finals, but um, it was a it was, it was a great Lakers team, and we came up short. But I know it can happen in Indiana. You've got to dream big to to have big things happen, and. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to stay the course with that approach.
2: Again, uh, Utah-Milwaukee coming up for the Pacers Wednesday and Thursday as they conclude this five-game homestand. Uh, Coach, last one from me, and again, Rick Carlisle with us here every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Um, I want to go back to last Friday, and you wore a uh, red sweater uh, in honoring Bob Knight there uh, in those pregame game warm-ups before your game against Cleveland, Um, if you could share any interactions that you had with Coach Knight uh, as we have kind of looked back on his life here over the last few days on the show.
3: Yeah, I would be honored to. Um, There were a couple things in my life. Uh, I I wrote a letter to Bob Knight my junior year at the University of Virginia um, to try to get his attention because he was going to be the Olympic coach the following year um, for the trials just to you know have a chance to, to go to the trials and, and try out. You know, I knew, knew it probably didn't have much chance to make the team, but uh, wrote him a letter back in the days when people wrote letters and put <laughs> stamps on and stuff like that and um, didn't really expect much. Uh, about two weeks later, I got a letter back from him <laughs> you know, which was uh, which was just awesome, and I, I wasn't I wasn't expecting it, um, but I was very appreciative of it, and it was it showed super class. And then, um, you know, in 1999, when um, when we had uh, the lockout, and that was a lockout that extended into January of that of that year, um, Dick Harder and myself. Uh, went down to Bloomington to watch practice and uh, you know, Dick and and Bobby had known each other for decades before that. And so we watched practice and then came um, and then went out to dinner uh, at a, at a small Italian restaurant in Bloomington. And I got to tell you, I, you know, we sat there for at least two hours talking about the game and, you know, you know, Forget about Bob Knight. I mean, Dick Harter was another guy who was like an encyclopedia on basketball, and he was one of the great defensive coaches in the history of, of the game at any level. And so hearing these two guys talk basketball, but particularly hearing Bob talk about the game, he had a a, a such a an enlightened and sophisticated view of the game and such an intelligent uh, manner of of communicating, you know, his feelings about it. Um, I thought it was one of the most interesting two hours I've ever spent in basketball. Um, and contrary to what a lot of people might believe, he was he was a he was a coach who was constantly evolving. You know he he was talking about things that, that he was doing and, and changes that he was making um, because of what he called, you know uh, quote unquote today's player. And, and how he was evolving. It's like, you know, this is, this is a uh, 1999, you know, this is like, was like the social media kind of era of, of his coaching career. And, and I just thought it was, um, it was just one of the most tremendous experiences. He was, he was, he was a, he was a guy that was much more flexible than people probably would have ever believed. Hmm. Um, and I think it's just, it's another nod to his greatness. I mean, he, he, he was a guy that had evolved uh, an awful lot as a basketball coach, um, where a lot of people thought, you know, it was, it was just – they probably thought he was so stubborn, would never change, et cetera, et cetera. I, I experienced a, a man that um, was quite, quite different.
2: Appreciate you sharing that, Coach. Again, Rick Carlisle, fresh off of win number 900, Utah and Milwaukee coming up. The next two nights as the Pacers continue to get underway here with their 23-24 season. Coach, as always, terrific stuff. Thank you so much for the time, and uh, good luck here on this
3: back-to-back. Okay, thanks, guys. Be well.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
1: You know, we are talking about during the break. Uh, great stuff there from Rick Carlisle. You miss any of that conversation, any of our number one, a lot of Colts conversation, Purdue and IU. Find it all on the Podcast Center 1075thefan.com. Download the app as well. Take us, stream us anywhere uh, in the world. Speaking of anywhere in the world, stream us in Germany, which is exactly uh, coming up on Thursday. Taking that red eye is where the Colts will be traveling uh, for the Patriots game, 930 on Sunday morning. And to To talk about that and much more, Melaney Lowe joins us from the Colts, Director of Football Operations here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Melanie, good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are
4: you guys doing?
1: Uh, We are doing fantastic. Tell the people, how much freaking work is it to go play and do a football game and play a football (laughs) game over in Germany? It's got to be a lot of man hours.
4: Absolutely. I'm I'm ready for a long nap after this, but it's been great. It's been an amazing experience and ready to get over there. It, what i
2: you know i'm trying to think back to the 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 london trip i remember talking to someone in the ops department then they're like this is the binder for london this is the binder for houston like very different <laughs> in, in terms of planning i don't know if binder is still the method of operation here in 2023 but as best you can how would you compare the amount of work malaney for a normal road trip in the states to what you're gonna deal with here coming up on thursday
4: Absolutely. So I think that definitely the amount of months and man hours that go into it. I mean, we started planning as soon as we found out in May, we took a trip over to Germany in June, and it hasn't stopped since then. So you know, you're planning every week. But then during that week, you're also planning for Germany. So it's like this whole season has been planning two trips each week.
2: What would you say is the most challenging part? Is it like getting all the equipment over there? Is it handling passports? Is it, I, I, I guess there's a language barrier. I, I, the fact the NFL has never been over there until last week, uh, where would you point to is maybe the most challenging part?
4: Absolutely. So I would say definitely the fact that we've never played in Frankfurt before, right? So, you know, learning all the different um operational, you know, challenges there compared to where they played in Munich last year. There's a lot of differences. Um, the fans have been great, I have to say, and all of the people over there. So it's been amazing to work with each of those. But I would also say the passports for sure, right? So we don't have a mainstreamed way of getting passports. We have to go through the post office just like anybody else. So gathering all of that from the players who, you know, may have Birth certificates in different states, and having to go get those, and making sure all the departments are talking and um, you know all on the same page for sure.
2: How many guys would you say didn't have a passport?
4: I would say more than half. Wow. I would say seventy-five didn't, and also you know, wow. mind you nine months out m- most passports so we got lucky we're all good we're ready to go but our local post office has been I and mean, they have been saints. So let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the, the local post yeah. office I, I was, here we about, are in 2023 i was about to say if, if, it, if it were a key player Melanie, we needed to put some pressure on him you know that's what me and kb could do this morning you know <laughs> hey we, kenny moore's got to play you know what are we doing oh, here well, you need kenny yeah. Moore's sisters to go over there yeah, that's exactly After what last we week i uh,
2: um, Melanie Lowe is with us, by the way, director of football operations. Um, Equipment-wise, because I always think this is maybe a side of it that people really don't think of. I know practice-wise, it's going to be you know walk-through Wednesday, practice Thursday, and you know a lighter session on Friday over in Germany. The first two days of the week here in Indy, but you guys had to send equipment over there at the end of training camp. Was that
4: right? That, that is correct yep so they all all of our equipment went on a ship actually um, across the sea and it wound up getting there about they put the buffer in two months to get there so wow. over during training camp but also mind you we went to Philly right so a lot of that equipment we couldn't send over um, before training camp ended because we were going to Philly for joint practice so, so a lot of stuff go on the plane um, this week so yeah. It, it, it was it was interesting doing Carnate, So every single thing that we shipped over there had to be weighed, and the amount and where it was um, originated from. All of those things had to be listed in detail.
2: So a ship, okay. So this is at the end of train. You said after the Philly joint practices, there. Like what goes <laughs> on? That, what goes on that ship? What goes on the plane?
4: So we send all of our, like, you know, sweatshirts, things that we don't need during season, we'll send over there. But a lot of our equipment, so computers, um, monitors, uh, jerseys, cleats, all of that will go on the plane because we've had to use them the last couple of weeks. So what we send on that ship was very small, you know, supplements, things like that, foods, um, nutrition things. Those would be the items that we would send over early. And then also, we talked about practices and things like that. You know, all of the stadiums and practice sites they have in Germany are made for soccer teams. So they're a lot smaller than what we're used to, again, with the fields and the stadiums and the locker rooms, just adjusting to the soccer, uh, you know.
1: Oh, yeah. Ooh. The soccer player is not nearly as big as DeForce Buckner, uh, m'lady. No. So, no.
4: Those, those... I think the hotel has one coming for him because they're, you know, they're pressing for soccer players and we have 300 pounds of
1: Messy
2: next to Buckner. It's like yeah. Web and Yama next yeah. to you know some of those facers. Next to the there. Graziani
4: guy, Edie
1: yeah, and the Graziani exactly. right. guy from the Purdue game. Right. Uh, did did any you know ops people from Miami or Kansas City give you guys any hints over the last few days since they went there and you know kind of did the deed last weekend?
4: You know, the NFL, as much as we're competitors, they have been great to us. Um, The Dolphins especially have given us, you know, drive times, escorts, all of that stuff. They are saying they stayed at the same hotel, you know, we will. So, again, that was great just to hear their feedback and, you know, working with your counterparts.
1: Melanie Lowe
2: is with us, Director of Football Ops, and she's been a huge, huge part of spearheading this effort as the Colts are off to Germany coming up red-eye. I assume it's a different plane than you guys typically travel
4: on? It is. A lot more people coming with us, too. So, uh, again, all the planning for the plan, you know, from from start to finish, all the things you don't necessarily think of when you go on a commercial flight, you have to think of here. Um, Hmm. The nitty-gritty details, the food, the lights, the everything.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think of here in the last couple weeks, you know, the Colts obviously have signed maybe a player or two to their practice squad or something like that. Is, like, one of the first jobs you think of of when that player is signed, the newcomer in the building, like, do they have a passport? And I guess oh. how much of that is on your mind even this week because Tuesday can be a popular roster signing day.
4: As soon as I hear our scouts calling, I'm sneaking into their office saying, all right, does he have a passport? That is definitely my first question and definitely hounded our scouts on that one for sure. They've been good to me, though. That's I'm That's great. I'm definitely- yeah, we were
1: left. The Last one for me, Mulaney. Uh, You know, I just—I'm guessing the answer is kind of no. I asked KB earlier. I go, "Would you rather do what the Dolphins did if you're a player and be there the entire week, or like the Chiefs or the two teams? You know, you—you you guys here with the Colts or the Patriots, and that's go up Thursday and kind of keep your body on that same clock. Uh, so the guys are going to get there. You'll be keeping them up, and there is, you know, a football game to win. Will are there any events that they'll go to and participate in the future? days they're there anything
4: honestly no it is uh, solely a business trip so we'll go into meetings we'll go into walkthrough and it's strictly it's strictly football um and i would say definitely i mean This will be my first time going abroad with a team. So, you know, there's always ways that we're going to learn from what we do. But right now I'm thinking, you know, use your advantage at home, right? So our home facility this week will have our practices at our home field um, and then go to Germany for those two days. Yes, you know, you might have some challenges getting on the same body clock, you know, in Germany, but at least this week we have a normal week and they have their normal facilities. Again, like I said, in Germany, a lot smaller, the fields are different it's been raining so we have all those challenges um, they're not indoor facilities like we he- have here in the states. Hmm. so I think this week will be important to have um, our facility here and have that. a sense of normalcy you know
2: Some great stuff here. Melanie Logan, Director of Football Ops for the Colts. Uh, Last one from me. Um, I guess, could you describe Frankfurt for us or even describe the stadium? I mean, certainly it's not the same. You know, Wembley was a huge venue when the Colts played there in 2016, bigger than virtually every NFL stadium. This is not that. So uh, could you describe maybe Frankfurt and then also the stadium the Colts will be playing in come Sunday?
4: Absolutely. So when I went over in June, Frankfurt's gorgeous. Um, the people there, it's really unique. Everybody is so happy. Everybody is very lively. They get off work around three or four, it seems, and they're out in the streets having a great time eating dinner. Um, so I would say the culture there is amazing. Everybody was very excited to have us there. There's a lot of football fans. There's a lot of Americans stationed there. So um, I think that we'll have a lot a big fan base there. I'm really excited about it. Um, in terms of the stadium, stadium's a lot smaller than, you know, stadiums that we're used to, but definitely the crowd comes in a lot closer to your bench. Hmm. So I think it'll be a really great atmosphere. I hope the, the crowd is loud, but also having that roof open, uh, it's a real, it'll be a unique experience.
2: Yeah, about 50,000. That was the attendance uh, for this past Sunday when it was Chiefs and Dolphins. Mulaney, thank you for the time. Um, I'm seeing here in the background, I don't know if you were locked into Notre Dame and Niagara last night like I was because <laughs> I'm a psycho Notre Dame basketball fan, but you've got some history around the Notre Dame football program, is that correct?
4: That is correct, yes. I was a student equipment manager in college for four years.
1: Oh, God, yeah. KB, you would have loved to have done that. She had your dream job. No, I, I don't she think. She had your dream yeah. job. I don't think I would have behaved well <laughs> enough for
2: that. Yeah. I'll stick to Notre Dame basketball on that end. Hell, she she probably saw a lot with Notre Dame football over that time. Were you? Did you go to Notre Dame, St. Mary's? I went
4: to St. Mary's, yes. Went to St. Mary's, um, which was great. Absolutely loved it and was there with Coach Kelly, and we had a good run, you know? yeah, Played football.
2: Yeah, hell of a run there. There Uh, Well, Melania, I can only imagine what the last few months have been like for you, and even this week, I'm sure some uh, stressful moments leading into Thursday night and that flight home on Sunday. Uh, Hopefully you can get some sleep, some well-deserved sleep leading into that bye week. Uh, Thanks for the info today, and good luck with everything this week. Thank you
4: so much.